What's up, everyone? Tara Roberts here, and welcome into the Dear Miss Fantasy Show. We are the official mailbag show for Player Profiler. And today's show is going to be fun. It is trending topics, hot topics, if you will. I like, I like hot topics there. Uh, Senior Bowl week. Fantastic performances going on. Lots of stuff to cover. We've got it's it's Thursday. I feel like, you know, we're obviously several days removed from the the championship games between the NFC and the AFC that have given us the Super Bowl of Kansas City and San Francisco. But even though we're four weeks away, this will be my or four four days removed from that. This will be my first time being able to do a post championship weekend reaction here or overreaction, if you will. So we'll do that. Some mailbag questions. So it'll be a fun show. It'll be a little bit quicker of a show, maybe about um, 30 minutes or so. Um, Cause I, I am, it's been a week for me. I've been sick. Um, so we are, if you're watching live, we are drinking water and popping cough drops in order to stay alive here. Um, but, but Hey, um, it's a weekly show and I'm, I'm committed here. So we're, we're in this one. Um, so bear with me. I don't think it'll be that bad. I think it's like strep throat or something, but <laughs> I'm uh, going to go to sleep right after this. But, um, oh, and, uh, one more topic, um, head coach updates. Because, again, trending topics. And since we last spoke, we have had some new hires here. So we've got our final head coaching hires here. Um, so we'll go ahead and jump right in. We'll start off with the head coaches. We'll go through that real quick because um, we've got a mailbag question around that. Since we last spoke, we finally got the coaches rounded out here. We've got Seattle hiring Mike. McDonald almost said Mike McDaniel. Oh my gosh. We've got so many Mikes and McDaniels and Daniels. Uh, yeah, this will be fun, but we've got Seattle with Mike McDonald. We've got Washington hiring Dan Quinn. <laughs> um, let's do Seattle first. Cause that's, that's a happy one. I love this hire for them. Um, good for them. They were waiting on somebody obviously, because it wasn't like they were bringing in a ton of candidates that, um, were extremely promising. They, you know, a few, but, um, it felt like they were waiting on somebody, um, to be eliminated so that they can actually make that push to go ahead and do those interviews and hire. And they did real quick, um, grabbing Mike McDonald and I absolutely love this hire for them. Um, aggressive. It's fresh. Uh, and I think it gets Seattle back to what they've been built on success recently and that they've gotten away from their defense, right? The defense has been something that has traditionally been a very strong, um, strong position for them, but it's been an issue recently. They've got the pieces and I think Mike McDonald can really pull it together. They do still need to hire an offensive coordinator though. So that yet remains to be seen and is very critical from a fantasy perspective for us, but for the overall team, I do love this hire for Seattle. So good for them. Uh, moving on to the bad though, Washington mailbag question here. How does the Washington hire affect Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dodson and Brian Robinson? <laughs> I don't think it's fantastic. I can't stand this hire. I'm sorry. No offense to Dan Quinn. It's just, it's just so meh. Like it's an average hire here. Um, not super inspiring, right? We've got a relatively young team. We've got new ownership. We've got the second overall pick. So you're guaranteed to get one of the top elite quarterbacks here in a strong class. And the best you could come up with was Dan Quinn. It's, it's, it's a fine hire. Like it's not, he's not going to, your organization is not going to be destitute with him as the head coach, but I don't think it is going to take them to where they need to be. 
Um, it's very clear that they put, and I, I, you know, I criticize them, um, but it's very clear that they put all of their eggs into the Ben Johnson basket and they were left holding the bag, unfortunately there. So, um, I do feel bad for them in that sense. So they did what they could. Honestly, I understand why they made the Dan Quinn hire. I just don't like it. Um, they were left in a bad position, unfortunately. And, um, from what remained, you know, maybe Mike Rabel would have been a better option. I'm curious what you guys think out there in the chat, but um, maybe Mike Rabel would have been a little bit more inspiring, but that said, um, it's interesting. It's interesting. Um, the commanders from a fantasy perspective, they're, you know, they're struggling and destitute on both sides of the ball. Uh, Dan Quinn offers the worst case scenario from, uh, for us from a fantasy perspective. That's the issue here. Not the most awful scenario for Washington as a team, but from a fantasy perspective, there will be no change in offensive philosophy here. Yep, that's not Dan Quinn's specialty. And Eric Bannamy will continue to do what he has been doing. The difference here is that they'll have a new quarterback, and that can make a difference here. That can make some changes in terms of how they operate as a team. But again, from a fantasy perspective... Sam Howell actually put up very aggressive numbers um, in terms of yardage. The touchdowns, they were decent, not super aggressive. They were decent. Interceptions were obviously an issue, and maybe limiting those from a new quarterback could lead to more offensive opportunities. So for sure, there's some room for improvement here with a new quarterback coming in. But it just doesn't excite me in terms of thinking that we were going to see a major offensive shift from this team. I think they're going to remain very static, very flat in terms of their philosophy. And those leaps that we were hoping to see with the new quarterback for Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson, I just don't know if it's going to be that significant here. So from my perspective, I was mildly, not mildly, I was kind of excited to see where a new quarterback and a new offensive system could head for a guy like Jahan Dotson. Um, if you were interested to, you know, buy him in the offseason on the cheap after the disappointing season. But I just, I don't know, man, I just, I believe in the talent but I don't know if the offensive situation is going to make a drastic jump. Oh, man, that sucks. I hate that. But um, adding in here, we do have a comment here. Um, let me see. We've got one from the chat from B-Ball3710. 12-team Superflex Herbert or 101 Caleb Williams. This is tempting here, right? Because we love the allure of what Caleb could in this situation the kind of weird thing though is that we we know who Justin Herbert is we know Justin Herbert is a 101 type of quarterback and we know the potential that he has and we know that he can be a top three quarterback from a fantasy perspective for sure so when looking at that and comparing it to the 101 do you want to take that chance there and make that adjustment do you want to go ahead and say, I'm going to, you know, flip and I'm going to take and see where this heads with Caleb Williams, or do you stick with the known of Justin Herbert? We've got changes here. We know that they're probably going to make some um, additional changes in terms of maybe a new tight end. Brock Bowers being mocked a lot. We talked about in the previous episode, if you want to go look at uh, mock draft landing spots, but we've got Brock Bowers as someone who could maybe get um, a big uptick in that offense from a perspective of improving what we get out of Justin Herbert. We could get another wide receiver there. Uh, so there's, there's possibilities. I lean towards Justin Herbert, honestly. The allure of what Caleb Williams could be in terms of, you know, people saying generational talent, I get it. 
But there's also the possibility that it could be, you know, ho-hum. 101, we've seen it before. Trevor Lawrence, love him to death, obviously. Clemson fan, you see my little logo, right? There it is, right there in the back if you're watching live. Um, but if you were saying, do I want Trevor Lawrence or the 101? He was the 101. What is the value still that? No, I don't think so. It isn't. The 101 value is fantastic where it is. Get what you can out of it. I do think that I would prefer Justin Herbert in that situation. All right, moving on to, oh, actually, before we move on to the next um, segment, we're going to dive here into um, going over some senior bowl news here. We're going to look through some of the top performers and figure out you know, how that's affecting us from a fantasy perspective. But before we do that... We are going to hear a word from our sponsor. It has been two years since Josh Larkey paved the way for fantasy gamers to start expecting positive returns from Pick'em games, specifically underdog Pick'ems. And how do you do it? Well, you look at the slate and you find a great shootout or a sneaky shootout. You also look for a shit show game. Three, four, five, six guys in one game. That's right. You can do it. You can do it. And you can 100x your payout on underdog. Think about week one. Jets-Bills was a shit show. Did we see the Aaron Rodgers injury coming? No, but we knew the Jets have a good defense. We knew the Bills have a good defense. Why not expect the worst? And the worst is what we got. So if you had gone Dalvin Cook less than, Garrett Wilson less than, Aaron Rodgers less than, Josh Allen less than, Gabriel Davis less than, boom, 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 boom. You can go six for six. Same thing in week two. Oh, week two. Well, sneaky shootout there in Philadelphia. Minnesota's going to be in comeback mode. So we'll go Cousins, Jefferson, Hawkinson, more than. Madison, less than. But also, Swift, more than. Boom, 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 boom. That's how you do it with the underdog pickums, And you use promo code UNDERWORLD to get a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. You put in 100 underdog matches that deposit up to a hundred bucks with promo code underworld. Go start picking. All right, senior bowl. Let's dive in. Oh man. I'm so jealous of all the people that are at senior bowl right now on, on Twitter. I see all the, all of all of the other fantasy analysts that get to be there and having their interviews with the players, witnessing it all live. It's just so, so jealous. But just because we're not there doesn't mean that we can't analyze it. So let's jump into it. We're going to start off at quarterback because, I mean, come on, it's fantasy football and most of us are playing Superflex. So yes, yes, <laughs> especially from Dynasty. So if you're paying attention right now, I know you're playing in a Dynasty league with Superflex. So we're going to talk quarterbacks. Um, and we'll start off with Michael Penix Jr. Um, in terms of what he has offered this week at practice for the Senior Bowl, I think it's good enough. Good enough. I don't think it's miraculous. I don't think he's made an aggressive rise in his stock, but I don't think he hurt himself. So no real rise in his stock, no real hurting himself. He's still kind of in that situation where we're feeling the possibility of what he could be. So I think his draft stock is still in flux in a good way here. So I'm happy with what I've seen out of him thus far. 
Um, and hopefully we continue to see more to kind of improve Matt, because I think he's someone, if I'm looking at, you know, obviously we have our, you know, top favorites and whatnot. And I still think that Penix qualifies as one of the top ish options, but you know, we, we know that he is kind of borderline a little bit. We know that he is kind of borderline a little bit. Hold on, buddy. But, um, when we're looking at Michael Penix, okay. In a little bit, buddy. But when we're looking, he's coming in. My little Spider-Man is here. Um, when we're looking at Michael Penix Jr. Um, well, you had, <laughs> okay, here, you can have some cough drops. He's sick, too. Of course, that's where I got it from. Um, looking at Michael Penix Jr. again, not to make a direct comparison between these two players as I talk about them, um, but I do want to bring up CJ Stroud again. Not a direct, not a comp in terms of play style or kind of diving into that, but just kind of general sentiment around the things that are holding back public opinion of Michael Penix Jr. I think about the pre-draft process that we went through with CJ Stroud. People kind of overlooked his value because it was just showcasing what he was good at. You know, one of those situations where you're show showcasing. No, I can't. Go ask daddy. Go ask daddy. Go ask Daddy. Sorry, guys. I don't know why he has to come in here right now. Um, again, yeah, I need you to go. I need you to go watch or go ask Daddy. Or go ask Blair. Or go ask Blair. Go ask Blair. Okay. Again, sorry about that. I don't understand why as soon as I go live and get ready to dive into stuff, he wants to immediately come and request that I turn on some kind of show or get some kind of food or some kind of snack. Life with kids and um, podcasting live <laughs> is always very interesting. But back to Michael Fittix Jr. Um, again, people kind of overlook the value that he brings um, similarly to CJ Stroud, because when we were looking at CJ Stroud in the pre-draft process, what he really brought um, was showcasing exactly what he was good at. And when you're out there just doing what's expected of you, and that's what I'm seeing from Michael Penix Jr., just doing what's expected of you, you're out there saying, okay, I've got a strong arm. I've got precision and accuracy, uh, you know, intelligent extremely intelligent in terms of how I um, approach the game. We saw all of that from CJ Stroud and it just doesn't really wow people, right? It's kind of similar in that sense. You're performing at a level that is expected versus overperforming above expectations, like an Anthony Richardson situation where you get out there and, or like a Will Levis even situation or when Zach Wilson went out there and, you know, threw a ball and impressed everybody, you know, overperforming and rising above expectations and wowing them and raising your draft stock. I think very similarly to CJ Stroud, Michael Penix Jr. is going to have the same problem is that he's not going to be going out there and really wowing anyone because what he's going to be doing is exactly what we know he's supposed to do. You're a precision type of player. You're not doing these, you know, he's mobile, but, you know, not the extreme mobility that, you know, people are looking for from a fantasy upside perspective. So again, this week at the Senior Bowl, performing as expected, showcasing that arm strength, showcasing that accuracy, showcasing that natural talent, and you'll love to see it from him. Don't overlook it just because it is standard, right? That's kind of my thing with him. Don't knock it because you expect him to do it. Um, so again, as long as he keeps on 
this same track of showcasing exactly what we know he can. I feel very positively about him this offseason and heading into the draft. So I like what I've seen out of Michael Penix Jr. Um, thus far in the Senior Bowl. Bo Nix, on the other hand, <laughs> um, I said last week during the show that it was going to take some work to get me there on being um, pro Bo Nix. Um, and I'm, I'm willing to, I'm willing to get there. Like I'm not going to hard line deny it and say, there's no chance that I will ever, um, look at Bo Nix and say that he is someone who I would want to target in fantasy drafts. Who's someone that I think is going to be a difference maker in the NFL an extreme and elite talent. Um, I could get there if he can, you know, make that work to get me there, but I don't, he didn't do anything this week to get me there. Unfortunately. Um, we know that, you know, inconsistency, in his play is a problem and he showed inconsistency this week. So you showed us our concerns. That's it's the exact opposite of Michael Penix jr. You showed, he showed me um, the good things and Bo Nix showed me the problems that I did have with him. So it's a problem. Yeah. You know, he's an athlete. Um, he's mobile, but I don't think it's over. It's enough to really, overcome these accuracy issues. And I really wish that he had gotten out there and just really looked sharp, right? Just really looked sharp enough to win me over and say, okay, you know, there's development that can happen here. And I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just not in yet. I'm still, I'm still not there. So unfortunately we were in the same position. He did not raise his draft stock for me. Um, not feeling bonex. Another one um, we'll do short and sweet here. Um, Joe Milton, um, again, I, that's another one where unfortunately just we've, we've seen nothing. Um, I just want to point that one out because I know there's you know some people that are out there, you know, believe, the, you know, the big arm, big strength, the deep ball. Yeah, there's uh, there's nothing really here that gives me any thought of seeing him thrive at the next level or being a major fantasy asset here. So I, I don't think that he overcame any of those issues that we had with him. And then obviously you've got um, Spencer Rattler. Um, I think he kind of stayed par here. Uh, Michael Pratt as well. Um, mailbag question though, before we move on to the next group of guys, who is the biggest riser from the senior bowl? It's gotta be Lad McConkey. I go like, I guess go with the chalky pick here of Lad McConkey, right? Um, and I, for the record, I, I do think that um, Roman Wilson did outperform everybody. Um, so I, I agree with that. That's my my number one here um, from the Super or Senior Bowl. It was at Super Bowl from the Senior Bowl in terms of wide receivers. But I think the biggest riser here from the Senior Bowl has to be Lad McGonkey. He got out there and really made an aggressive play to push himself up those draft boards. Um, showcased extremely well, and I know people have got a lot of concerns, and they're valid concerns around him the overall athleticism um does his skill set really translate into being a true difference maker in the nfl um that still remains to be seen but i think he made the best case scenario effort for himself um in in this senior role look fantastic out there making phenomenal catches um just strong just strong overall so um biggest riser Biggest riser for me has got to be Lab McConkey. We're going with the chalk there. Um, other guys that we were looking at again, Roman Wilson obviously made a massive leap. Um, just really showcase extreme upside there. He will definitely move not just up draft boards, but um, even if he doesn't, uh, he's one of those guys who is going to be moving up fantasy draft boards as everyone is looking for 
everyone is looking for that Pukunakua. I'm going to adjust my camera here a little bit. Uh, everyone is looking for um, that Pukunakua, those guys that are going to give us those late value dynasty picks. And Roman Wilson is going to be one of those guys who will shoot up as people start to anticipate that he'll be one of those nice, nice sleeper picks. Um, another guy here, <clears throat> excuse me, another guy here, Xavier Leggett. Mixed reviews here, a mixed bag of reviews. Very interesting, but it does seem like the negative reviews that happened earlier on in the first day were a little bit exaggerated, that maybe that was less about him and more about the quality of balls that he was getting. Um, I think he bounced back well, and that's good. It was good to see him um, showcase because I think the talent is there for him to be really one of those fringe early round, uh, not early round. Uh, yeah. Fringe early round wide receivers for us to be looking at. And I think he could, you know, be a late NFL draft round one receiver. So um, I like what I saw out of him. And I do think that that kind of, you know, those reviews that we got earlier on where it might've been a little bit irrelevant, a little bit exaggerated, seems to have overall bounced back pretty well from any of the issues that he had. So keeping on track and performing well, um, some sleeper options as well. <clears throat> Ricky Pearsall um, has looked pretty good. Jamari Thrash has looked good. Javon Baker, Brendan Rice. So we've got quite some options here. And then running backs. I'm not going to dive into individual running backs here. But because um, we've got, you know, Ray Davis, Isaiah Davis, um, Marshawn Lloyd, um, and quite a few others that showcase decently well. Not deep diving into them individually, but I think what we've seen here is very significant from a dynasty perspective here. They showcase well. Uh, make no mistake. I don't think that anyone is playing their way into a round one receiver. Or excuse me, round one um, running back. Nothing has changed on that end. Um, no massive draft stock rises, but from our perspective, I think what we're seeing here is that there is value in this draft because we were looking at this running back class, obviously, and majority of us thinking that it is a bit, um, not under underwhelming. Yeah. Underwhelming from a fantasy perspective, no real wow. Cause we've been spoiled here, um, in recent drafts coming away with these guys. We've got Bijan and Breeze and Gibbs and, Kenneth Walker, we've just been so spoiled. A-chan, I mean, even diving and going, going further back, it didn't have to be round one or round two running backs. We've been finding value all across the board. We're going to have Tajay Spears, you know, potentially more than likely stepping into um, a high fantasy value situation. So we've been spoiled. We've been spoiled here. Um, but what I do think that we'll see out of this draft is that there will be value for us because we're not going to be clawing at these guys um, early round one, trying to get, you know, there's no running backs that are going to be slipping into those first six picks. But there is going to be value here. Um, so keep your eye out here for these guys. That'll be nice, you know, late round one. Um, uh, sorry, fantasy draft. I always feel like I need to specify fantasy draft from NFL draft, from fantasy drafts and dynasty and rookie drafts. These guys will end up being some late round one, some early round three, good fantasy value picks for us. So keep your eye on these running backs. Don't overlook them. I know it was an underwhelming class here, but there is some potential. There is some potential here. And um, from a pass catching perspective, that's the key here. 
for us. We want to see these guys here because I think as the NFL, as we're going further and further along in the NFL, um, at all, or at you know, quarterback, um, not just quarterback, but wide receiver and running back, weight is becoming less of a concern with a lot of these guys. Now, the thin, thin, skinny bodied wide receivers, that's a normal thing. Now, you know, we've lost the fear of drafting a guy like Gibbs or HN and feeling like, you know, they're just there, you know, there's no value that can be had because they're just not going to um, be able to perform at a high level in the NFL. That that perception has, you know, kind of dissipated here. So from these past catching backs, there's definitely some value to be had here. Moving on here to our next uh, topic, we're going to do some post-championship overreactions here. And this will be a fun topic if I can get through it. Um, drink a little water here so that we can get through this again. Um, reminder, I am a little sick, uh, a, a lot sick. It's been a rough week, but but we're here. We're committed. Um, overreactions to the championship games from this past weekend. Um, my personal overreaction here. I will fully admit that it's an overreaction, but I love it. I think I'm going to stick to it. Um, Jameson Williams finally takes that leap in 2024. That is my overreaction, um, my big overreaction from this game. I love what I have seen in um, recent months from Jameson Williams in terms of the progression. Yes, it is It is very frustrating seeing him use more gimmicky and for more big plays versus volume. Do I think that he'll ever really be a super high-volume receiver? Probably not. But I do think that the opportunity is there for him to be very valuable from a fantasy perspective and consistent from a fantasy perspective. Um, rightfully so. People make a point around Jamison Williams that how much can you really break out when you are playing clearly behind Amon Ross St. Brown and Sam Laporta, then you got to deal with targets from Gibbs as a pass catcher. Then you got to deal with the run game as a whole, taking up so much volume. There's just not a ton left for a guy like Jamison Williams, but we do have to admit that Josh Reynolds did garner more usage than he really needed or rather deserved. And I think that Jamison will push Reynolds completely out of the way here and start to see that steady wide receiver usage from him and be able to transition that into next year and make that big loop that we're looking for. The thing, the big thing for me with Jamison Williams is that you can compare him to a guy like Kadarius Tony, someone that has a history of being a big play gimmicky type of guy um, that, you know, made him fail from a fantasy perspective where we're always hoping and wishing, but it never came because of the way that he was utilized. But while I do think that Kadarius Tony always looked explosive, obviously, he just always looks sloppy, unreliable. Jamison Williams hasn't had those issues. He hasn't had issues with his routes. He hasn't had issues with his drops. We haven't had off the field or locker room or character issues here. It's purely just a limitation issue in terms of his usage. And I can get on board with that. I can work with that. I can work with a guy that I know has the talent. I know has the capabilities. I know has the discipline um, to push himself to that next level. He just needs that opportunity. That means that the package is good. The package is fine. Uh, Detroit just has to commit to opening up the package. And I think that's going to happen in 2024. And I do not think, because I know some people are mildly worried that, you know, maybe they take a, it's Detroit. They don't draft traditionally, right? Or they have not drafted traditionally. They took, um, you know, Gibbs and a, a linebacker. And it worked out for them. Um, 
So it's possible we could see a wide receiver draft in the first round, but I really do think that they're going to focus on, on defense um, in terms of where they're heading with their draft and that we will see Jamison Williams, you know, continue on as that wide receiver too. Um, more overreactions or major reactions to this championship. And this is a, a male bag question here. How high are you drafting Travis Kelsey in 2024? Um, the answer for me is like round three, maybe. Sorry, I, I know that's not an ideal answer. I know people may not like that answer. Um, Travis Kelsey is still elite. I don't know if I ever fell on the side of thinking that he was not elite. I do think that I, you know, thought for a while there that he had lost a little bit of a step and that's still, that's still out there for debate. Um, but yes, he's still elite. We're not, we're not taking that away from him, but I think it might be not an overreaction for me. I think there might be an overreaction from others here from his playoff performance and seeing the way that he is playing now and thinking, okay, Hey, we've still got the same Travis Kelsey that we always have. And he's still the overall tight end one. He's still a guy that we should be drafting early. And they're going to have that recent confirmation bias of what they've seen over the past month. And I don't know if that is the right approach. Right now, tight end one is split between Sam Laporta, Travis Kelsey, and Mark Andrews. You know, depending on the fantasy analyst, um, it's flipping either way, either way. Um, for me, he's not my tight end one right now. Uh, the appeal of drafting Travis Kelsey early has always been the positional advantage. I still think that Travis Kelsey is a top three tight end. I'm ranking him as such, but he is not my tight end one. I don't criticize anyone who is drafting him at or who has him as their um, tight end one in redraft, but I can't just justify it, unfortunately, because when we're looking at his production, um, it'll likely be flat. It'll likely be flat. And when we compare that to um, the other top, let's see, when we compare that to where he has been in the past, let me see how I phrase this. When we compare Travis Kelsey as a positional advantage to where he has been in past years, we saw a massive drop off this year. The appeal of him was that you were essentially drafting a wide receiver production, right? Um, he was going to produce wide receiver one type numbers. Um, and you were going to have that massive differential from him because the production that he was getting out there from a fantasy perspective, there was a massive drop off to the next guy up or, you know, depending on Mark Andrews had gotten there before, but um, other than Mark Andrews after that, it was always just a dramatic dip. So you were getting that massive, massive positional advantage there compared to everyone else that was drafting those mid round tight ends. But I don't think that positional value, that positional advantage is really there anymore. Travis Kelsey's total fantasy points in PPR in 2023 was 219. That is more in line with a borderline wide receiver two, wide receiver three, closer to a wide receiver three. Uh, so he's still he's still clearly a top five tight end, but drafting him as early as where we have been drafting him as the first tight end off the board is not going to give you the advantage that you're looking for. I know that a lot of people might not like hearing that. Um, he's still very worthy of drafting. He's not worthy of drafting within the first couple of rounds. I wouldn't do it. When you compare to 
the wide receivers and the running backs that you'll be able to get in those um, in those rounds. It's not going to get the the advantage that you're looking for, unfortunately. We'll do one more one more overreaction here. I might have to make a separate video on this one because I don't know if I'm going to be able to get this one out in the way that I want to live on this show. Um, Lamar Jackson, there's massive, massive reactions to Lamar Jackson's playoff performance. And I do feel like it might be a little overreaction. I am defensive of Lamar Jackson. I did really want him to win um, so that we didn't have to do all of this in terms of questioning his talent and questioning him, his quarterback ability. I love and appreciate Patrick Mahomes and his talent. Um, but let's be honest. How many people are being Patrick Mahomes? It's not happening. Patrick Mahomes' existence has jaded people in terms of expectations of what is an elite quarterback. I think we need to take a step back and not think about Patrick Mahomes as elite. He's beyond the category of elite, clearly. At this point, you cannot make that comparison. So we've got Patrick Mahomes, and then you got elite quarterbacks. So when you're looking at putting someone in that elite category, no one is getting into that Mahomes category right now. It's a different, it's a different level. We cannot judge Lamar off of his comparison to Patrick Mahomes. Looking at that game though, um, it was a bad look for Lamar, particularly at the end there. It was a bad look. I cannot excuse. I cannot, even if, even if he was told to get out there and chuck it, which I do think that's what happened. There's a poor game plan in terms of from Todd Monken of the way they approached the end of that game. I, I don't conceptually understand why the goal was just to go out there and continue to chuck, chuck, chuck the ball. Um, but at the same time, even if someone told you to chuck the ball, no one told you to chuck it into triple coverage. So I'm not going to excuse you for that one. That was just plain dumb. Um, it was a bad look. Uh, there's there's different outcomes that could have happened here, obviously. Zay doesn't fumble the ball. And maybe we're looking at an entirely different situation here where they don't even have to end up in in the scenario of where they're chucking the ball and every single play this is happening and he throws into triple coverage. But again, here's the thing. It's an overreaction for me because we would have had the same type of reaction regardless of what happened. If he had lost in that first game, we would have had the same reaction in terms of what we said about Lamar Jackson. If he had won this game and then lost in the Super Bowl, we would have had the same reaction in terms of everything that is being said. The only difference would have been is that it just would have been everyone having this reaction two weeks later. How do I know that? Because making a Super Bowl didn't really change that for Jalen Hurts. So unfortunately, I think right here, we're just having massive overreactions to Lamar Jackson as a quarterback um, because the goalpost is kind of shifting. Um, in terms of what people are expecting from these quarterbacks, there is no, we're not, we don't have, we cannot use Patrick Mahomes as a barometer. We got to look at order, other quarterbacks and say, how long did it take for Matt Stafford to get into the right scenario with the right supporting cast in order to get his Super Bowl? How long did it take Peyton Manning to get to the Super Bowl? What was the goal post with Peyton Manning? What was the goal post in terms of 
um, playoff wins and losses for him. So, I mean, we need to back off of where we're making these comparisons here. Move the barometer away from Patrick Mahomes because that's another level and take the barometer and move it towards other quarterbacks. You know, Mahomes and Brady, that's a different situation. Move it over and look at other quarterbacks and compare it to them and their performances in the playoffs. Aaron Rodgers, that's another one. So I, I don't think that this situation means that we're writing off Lamar Jackson as, as permanently, permanently. He can't win a Super Bowl. This is it. He'll never be anything. He can't be elite. I don't believe any of that. It's an overreaction. He's he's still so young. There's so many quarterbacks that didn't sniff a Super Bowl at this age as well and then went on to get there. So there's still some time here. There's still some adjustments that need to be made. And there are certainly several plays that could have changed the way that game outcome happened. It'll be interesting to see how Baltimore how Baltimore moves on. Um, I think they'll be able to. Um, the good news is, is that the offense was so sad that Todd Monken will remain the offensive coordinator. So <laughs> there won't be any offensive changes. That's fantastic for us from a fantasy perspective. We don't have to worry about that. The offense is going to remain the same. So if we're looking from a fantasy perspective, we know that Lamar Jackson is a top five quarterback. We know that Zay Flowers made that nice surge. We know what Mark Andrews can be. You know, maybe we get another wide receiver drafted too. Uh, the Ravens. We'll see. It'll be interesting. The confidence level that they have in Bateman. But from a fantasy perspective, um, things will look very similar in Baltimore. Uh, I would expect even with Mike McDonald gone for the defense to remain rather flat considering the head coach. So again, not, not any major massive differences. We're not making any major overreactions in terms of a fantasy perspective for the Baltimore Ravens. Um, no differences ahead, really. No changes based off what happened here. But that wraps things up. Appreciate you guys joining in. Um, just some closing thoughts here. If you have any questions, you can always hit me up on Twitter or X at It's Tira Time, I-T-S-T-E-R-A-T-I-M-E. If you tag me, I always do my best to respond. Tag me on anything, any conversations. Though. We've been having lots of non-football conversations on Twitter. So that's been fun. So head over there um, and we can chat. If you're listening on the podcast version, please subscribe. That would be greatly appreciated. If you're watching this on YouTube, be sure to like the video, drop me a comment, um, and make sure that you're subscribed to Player Profiler as well. That wraps things up. Again, I appreciate you guys joining in. Um, love you always. I will catch you again next week.